This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership inside the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm the host of the show. I'm here with David Witt, and he is the CEO of SOM International. We're in an ongoing series that is all coming from the global ambassador training that's offered at SOM International. We left off our last session talking about how good leaders ask great questions. We want to continue talking about this idea of leading with questions. And uh, David, what have you discovered about leading with questions? Maybe tell us a little bit about how you've seen that play out. Yeah, my whole life I've had just these amazing experiences, Mark, as we've talked about in 53 nations now in my lifetime traveling and working with much of the underground, unregistered church and leaders who are just making a a huge impact in some of these difficult nations and and regions. And I've been able to see a Christ-like leadership and and just being able to recognize, of course, uh, the the Lord through it um, in my own walk with the Lord and, and grown in these things. And of course, now we put many of these principles and thoughts into our global ambassadors uh, leadership training. Um, and, you know, as I was thinking about today's episode, I I came to three quick stories that I, I think help exemplify people I've met, known, and, and walked with, got their testimonies. And the first I'll start with is a, a church planner interviewed a few years ago who was Hindu background in India. And his joy of just sharing the Lord with so many Indians who have never heard the gospel, don't know about God. They have of course, you know, millions of gods, ultimately, everything's a god in India, and they're always living in fear, trying to find the most powerful god or the god to take away their physical ailment and the god to help with prosperity and to have a good marriage and to have, you know, healthy children and on and on and on. It just never ends with all the gods that they have to give sacrifice to. Uh, and it could, could become very oppressive and it could become very expensive, too, with a giving the sacrifices and taking the journeys to the different shrines. So it goes on and on. And so, you know, he was a, a church planner, just had a huge heart for people and, and lost people. I was so blessed by that. And he had joy and enthusiasm that Mark honestly oozed from him. And, um, and I remember this one story he told me he, had, he was, um, it was, as he's walking along, he saw these Hindus pushing this, um, big idol, this God, Hindu God, and to going to some festival or somewhere they had to push the God. And so he decided to go up and help them. So he got behind the car because it was a heavy, you know, load and they needed help. And so he started pushing the car, getting to know them and talking to them. And, and as he felt that rapport was built, uh, built, then he, um, he asked the rest of the Hindus, he said, you know, um, why do you have to push the, the Hindu God? Isn't he a God? How come he can't move himself? And they talked about, well, <clears throat> why they, you know, that's the way they give reverence and sacrifice. And um, and then he began to ask questions. Well, what has this Hindu God done for you? Obviously, you're doing a lot and uh, for this Hindu God, and you're sacrificing a lot. What is it he's done for for you? And they really uh, hemmed and hawed. They didn't really have a lot of good answers. And he goes, you know, what's interesting. He says, my God's the creator of the heavens and and the earth, and he's done all kinds of things for me. He's even given his life, and he began to share the gospel with them. Hmm. And the reason he got to share the gospel with them, again, because he started with all these great questions. Hmm. Um, And and that just, again, exemplified to me building that rapport. Richard Wormbrand talks about the 14 years that he was in prison for his faith. Hmm. He was uh, one time being uh, interrogated for um, not being an atheist. And the atheist ways is the material world and the true intellectuals. Hmm. 
only believe what they can see and prove and put in a lab and, you know, test, observe. And so then uh, Richard was just getting a big smile and he said, oh, Richard was able to get, and you're just giving me such inspiration. Well, he caught the interrogator's attention. And, he, and the interrogator goes, what are you talking about? Why are you so happy? And he said, oh, he says, don't you know uh, where, uh, what the Christians were called in the first century of the church? And the interrogator goes, no, no, what was it? They were called atheists. They were thrown into the Roman Colosseum to the lions and the wild animals because they did not believe in the Roman gods, and they were thrown in for atheism. That was the charge against them. And he said, why are you talking about the glories of atheism? You reminded me of all my forefathers who laid their lives down for the Lord Jesus Christ and encouraged me to continue to be faithful to that today. And, you know, that opened up a deep conversation with this interrogator because he caught him off guard mm. by coming beside him and asking him questions. Right. The last the last uh, story, I just uh, set this up, and I think then let's we can unpack it here, Mark, is mm-hmm. uh, uh, <clears throat> a— uh, church planter in in um, Bangladesh who was a Muslim background believer actually a doctor pharmacist and uh, but real involved in leadership at the local mosque and uh, when he started really searching for the Lord his heart you know he had no peace um, he really began to study the the Quran and the thing that he couldn't get past and he said that ultimately even the Quranic leaders helped him become a Christian was uh, the Quran says that the spirit of Allah is is was Jesus. Jesus was the the word of Allah hmm. uh, or the spirit of Allah. And he said, You're, I, my, my word in me, can I separate my word and my spirit from myself? <clears throat> and they, of course, said, well, no, you can't. So how can you separate Jesus from Allah, from being God and 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 you have a problem with Jesus being the Son of God and being God, but yet even the Quran says that Jesus was the word of Allah. Can you separate Allah's word from Allah? <laughs> yeah. And none of them could answer that well. And that was one of the th- big things that convinced him of Jesus truly being God, hmm. of Jesus being, um, you know, the, the representation of God himself. So, again, this was just three great examples to me of um, why questioning is so key to loving people and and leading people. Yeah, and I think it's it's important that a good leader knows the right questions to ask and how to reframe a situation so that they can help somebody understand what they're missing. And I think when we get back, we're going to unpack biblically a little bit more uh, what we see when the Bible's asking questions and when Jesus is asking questions and how we see questions that are being um, asked in compelling ways in the New Testament. So hang on, and we'll be right back after this break. At Risk Radio. Can you imagine trying to disciple a church with only one Bible? This is Mark Stafford from At Risk Radio, and our contacts in Venezuela are telling us incredible stories about people coming to know Jesus, all the while pastors are missing Bibles for their people. After receiving a Bible from our ministry, one man said with tears in his eyes, no one has ever given me such a beautiful gift. At Risk Radio, in our partnership with SOM International, is working to bring 2 million Bibles into Venezuela. For more information about how you can help, go to atriskradio.com. 
Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. Now, David, we left off by talking about how leaders use really great questions. And in the previous episode of At Risk Radio, we talked about how uh, we see God using questions in the Old Testament to really draw people into a saving relationship. And uh, we want to focus on the New Testament now. Uh, Jesus seemed to be doing the same sort of thing. Jesus was using all kinds of questions. Uh, what kind of questions was Jesus using when he was uh, trying to teach people and trying to help them understand who he was? Yeah. I, you know, when I looked at this, Mark, there's 135 questions wow. that I found and that Jesus uh, used. Well, my, my favorite question yeah. is when Jesus turned to Peter and he said, but who do you say that I yes. am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What, what a great dialogue that was in the New Testament. Yeah, and I loved, uh, you know, Jesus' relationship with Peter and, and all the disciples ultimately, but Peter's obviously a unique one. And and the questions that Jesus always used drew out, I there's a pattern there, Mark. Um, they drew out the heart. I mean, you, basically, Jesus set up Peter there to be a hero. <laughs> you know, who do you say I am? Yeah. And, and he was talking to all the rest of the disciples, but it was Peter who spoke up and, and spoke the truth right. and recorded today that we see that Peter identified that. And, of course, Jesus goes on to identify that it was the Holy Spirit in Peter to be able to recognize that. And, and for us to look at Peter and the goodness of Peter is that he was ultimately filled with the Holy Spirit because he made a lot of mistakes, too. We all can relate to Peter, both good, bad and ugly. And, um, right. and and Jesus discipled Peter with many questions. Um, in fact, you know, I think about the other question with the Peter is uh, Peter being drawn out of the uh, the sink, right, in the lake, <laughs> Tiberius. Mm. Uh, and he says when, you know, Peter was walking on water, he sinks because he's looking at all the uh, waves around him. And Jesus reached out his hands and pulls him up uh, above the water again, then ultimately gets him on the boat. And Jesus' first words, why are you so afraid? Why did you doubt? Where is your faith? You know? <laughs> and uh, he uses the, Jesus uses those questions uh, in a couple of experiences with the disciples, actually. Um, and, so, you know, and, and you think about Jesus could have, at that point, <clears throat> given a lecture, you know, how to have, how to have better faith. And that's, that's true, that he wasn't just trying to lecture us into faith. Uh, I mean, he certainly gave sermons, but he was really trying to draw people into a relationship. Yeah, and, and another classic one here, Mark, is to the blind man. Um, has that one ever jumped out at you? I'm just curious. It, it, you remember, he says to the blind man, what do you want me to do? That seems obvious, right? I'm blind. <laughs> exactly. That was always kind of, I mean, remember the days that, I, that kind of bugged me. It's like, come on, that's just so ridiculously obvious. Jesus, why are you asking that? And yet as I've gone, you know, kind of meditated more on that, I, I realized that that was Jesus' MO, and he really wanted um, the blind man to participate uh, to enter into relationship with Jesus, to really dig down, is that really what you you want? You, you know, because um, lots of times we we think we want something, but we, we're not willing to pay the price. I mean, in a sense, you know, I mean, the reality of even that blind man being um, healed, he wasn't going to have a begging ministry anymore. You know, once you have your sight again, you got to work again. You're part of the working class again. You know, there's a price. There's a price that comes with the touch of the Lord. I mean, when God touches us, there's a responsibility now, and, and our lives are changed. And And I think the Lord actually, in some ways, when he asks those questions, he's allowing us to count the cost. Well, you know, it's always great, you know, to discover something for yourself, you know. Um 
uh, rather than just to be told what to do. And I think that you know we learn better that way. I mean, on a on a very light note, I I am um, I heat my house with wood, and I I really love the feeling of going into the forest and finding that perfect dead tree that I know is going to heat yeah. my house for six months. And there's this oh, joy yeah. of discovering, oh, I sought out what I was finding this whole time. Not on a spiritual level. That's so natural. But on a spiritual level, think mm-hmm. of the person that really knows they have a they have a yearning for knowing the things of the Lord. And when somebody finally asks them the right question, they're drawn to the things of the Lord. And that's finally what I've been looking for this whole time. Yeah, yeah. And I think we see the gentleness in Jesus by asking us questions that he, he's instead of forcing truth onto people Jesus always came with grace and truth um, it never mentions truth first it's never truth and grace it's always grace and truth mm-hmm. and even in questions there's a grace to it I mean think about the rich uh, rich man who comes up good teacher and immediately Jesus sees a teachable moment he says why do you call me good and he asks that question he only God and he goes into only God is good he's inviting the rich man do you see that I actually am equal to God. I am from God and with God. Or, you know, is that just a trite statement you're saying? So so Jesus had a teachable moment there. So here Jesus is using questions actually for teaching. And, and, you know, we all have two um, options. Either we can ask a question and help people lead them to the discovery of the truth, or we just tell them the truth. But even research shows that there's there's, um, less People remember things less um, if they don't discover it, but when they discover it, they remember it longer. And and so one of the principles in asking questions that we like to teach is the joy of discovery. When we um, ask a question, we allow people to have that joy of discovery. When we tell them, we steal their joy. Mm. Well, I'd really like to challenge our listeners to think about how they might take this truth and implement the, uh, this truth with the people that they know who don't know Jesus. Well, you know, we're about out of time, but one thing that you could do to really help us is that any donation that's given over at the Spirit of Martyrdom bookstore, not only do you get a great book, but that goes to a funding all kinds of ministry outreach that SOM is doing all over the globe. Uh, we're getting supplies into Mexico. We're getting Bibles into Venezuela. We're, we're getting the gospel uh, into villages in the remotest parts of India. We're training up church planters. We're getting tracks to Muslims. It's just one thing after another. And your support really helps us keep the work going to reach out to those who are struggling to get the gospel into the hands of those who desperately need it. My name is Mark Stafford, and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.